gets away. Martel still going. Better than most. Better than most. Critical takeoff. He falls into the pit. He's going to get spat out. Please make welcome the Ball and All podcast, James Tiger Woods, Beric Eckerbarts, and the king of speaking in the third person, Steve Condor Condo Condon. Well, we are back. It is uh, the captain's run for the uh, last week of, uh, of May. Um, Jared, welcome. G'day, Steve. How are you, mate? Uh, we are, it's you and I. We're, we, we are steering the ship. Barnsey is, uh, I think he's still down at Newcastle. Woody is up the Goldie. Um, so we will, uh, <laughs> we will get straight into it. Um, sad day for the NRL today. Tina Turner passing at 83. Um, she changed the game, really, her ad. Absolutely she did. Absolutely she did. I uh, Here in East Brisbane, I've been absolutely waking the neighbours at 6 o'clock this morning, blasting out um, simply the best and some of the hits. Uh, the lady is an absolute legend. Just uh, what she did, what she went through, what she turned her career into, and then to be an icon for rugby league was just amazing. I mean, one of the greatest gets ever in the game by John Quayle. And... I was at North in the early 90s. Um, she first uh, did a, a campaign for the NRL in 89 and then went all the way through to the mid-90s. I think in 1993, she played at the grand final. Uh, Simply the Best clearly was um, you know, the theme song and it was absolutely a buzz around uh, NRL clubs and players, let alone the public and the fans at her Involvement in the game and just what an amazing song. And then when they put video to it and just amazing. It still should be, in my opinion, a theme song to the game and we should be running that out at the start of every season with new footage for the new season. And it just captures the kids and it captures everybody else. Everybody knows that song that's associated with sport in Australia, let alone rugby league. Yeah, and um, uh, we never actually put it to air, Jared. You probably don't know this story, but... In the very early days of our podcast, um, when we realised that we were really hopeless at doing podcasts over Zoom or over the phone, uh, and we love to have the guest in the shed or um, now, obviously, on the couch, so, you, you know, it was just way easier and way better vibe. But we did a podcast over the phone that never went to air with uh, the great um, <coughs> great NRL, uh, well, was he CEO, chairman, uh, John Quayle, back in the day? CEO. CEO, I yeah. I was chairman. That's right, and he was uh, he was responsible for Tina Turner, um, for yep. getting Tina Turner on board for the NRL. Uh, he told the story that it was um, it really was uh, a big, big gamble. When he took that idea to the board, uh, they pretty much looked at him and said, "What are you thinking? You are off your tree." Uh, and you're talking about an artist who had you know, 100 million records sold worldwide, like a, an enormous worldwide star. And then uh, they put that, uh, they put the NRL graphics around that song and, you know, the rest is history. And 
Uh, he told he well, told, uh, the, told the story on the podcast how he flew to London, did the deal, and then next next thing she's out here in uh, in Oz in '89, I think. Uh, you know, and if you take your take our time back uh, to then, you know, you had uh, the great bow main sides. You know, Benny Elias, Blocker Roach, coached by Warren Ryan. The great Canberra sides, coached by Tim Sheens, Mal Meninga, Laurie Daly, Ricky Stewart, and the emergence of uh, of the Bronco side. Absolutely, and at the time, uh, a couple of years later, when they did the um, the early '90s version, uh, there was the emergence of the North Sydney Bears, and I remember Greg Florimo and Mark S- uh, Soden were involved Mark in. Mark Soden, uh, yeah. Mark Soden, yeah, good old Soto uh, were involved in the record and then the play of that commercial and the buzz at, at North and the, and just the fun and the jokes and um, and everything associated with that. And the fact that, you know, as a club, you know, we were, you know, we, we were playing finals football and also, you know, top of the pops in um, part of that commercial. And, um, you know, the, the, the other thing that Quayley's always said over the years is she was just a pleasure to work with. She was just an absolute... Uh, lady, uh, she was uh, so amenable. She was so personable. She absolutely fell in love with Australia and Sydney. Loved coming here, and it was just a pleasure to deal with. And when they did the deal for her to then come and do the halftime entertainment in the '93 Grand Final, it was an absolute coup because you know the lady could play a hundred thousand sellout at Wembley Stadium. Just amazing. Yeah, and um, yeah, uh, amazing turn in the game too because that took us sort of. Into the uh, into the Super League era, um, unfortunately the game split, but uh, she'll never be forgotten. And that ad, you know, get it on, jump on YouTube, get it on your iPhone, whatever, but play it all day today. It's one of the great ads, one of the great songs, well, uh, and really the other, put the NRL on the map. The other one to go and search on YouTube, which I did this morning and found, is uh, go to Tina Turner Live at Wembley. Mm. and simply the best, and it's only eight years ago. She was 75. She's dressed up like she's 25, absolutely looks a glamour, but her live version of simply the best and some of the dancing choreography that she does through that at age 75 in high heels is just stunning. It's worth watching. At 75. Um, just, 75. Sign, just signing off on that one, I heard Laurie Daly uh uh, on Big Sports Breakfast, just telling the story because he was one of the pin-up boys, as as everyone could imagine. He was at his absolute prime in the late eighties, early nineties, and he he was so he was talking about the ad when she sort of first turned up, and you know Andrew Eddinghausen, like all the pretty boys of the NRL, and like Andrew Eddinghausen, and well, Daly sort of didn't think he was a pin-up boy, but he did have a rig and uh, was very well cut, and how they were all sort of fighting over who was going to be at the front of the ad like as in just behind her yes. with you know shirt on or shirt off and 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 how he was he was earmarked so he was so paranoid about the fact that he had to look good that he didn't he didn't eat he didn't drink water he didn't have anything for basically 12 <laughs> hours before the filming the next day and then and yeah. then and then Tina walked out and they were all just gobsmacked that she actually turned up they just didn't think that they were actually doing yeah. an ad with such a superstar so, yeah. And then they were all blown away about just what a lovely person she was. Yeah, and even when she came back, um, it wasn't that long ago, was it, when they had her at the grand final? And I know a lot of the people and obviously a lot of the players that were involved in that ad caught up with her and, yeah, they were just glowing in their, uh, in, you know, yeah. in their, in their praise of how, how such a lovely uh, lady she was. So, 
Rest in peace, Tina, and uh, she did a lot for the NRL, and that was one of John Quayle's great master strokes back in the early 90s. Absolutely. Well, are we going to see any great master strokes? The, uh, the New South Wales, the Queensland sides are out, Jared. There's a lot of conjecture about some selections. If we start with, uh, I know Woody is really upset that he's missing today's podcast, but um, he's pretty happy with the side. So uh, I think, um, you know, I mean, Teddy at the back, I mean, the back line sort of picked itself really. Uh, and then you've got Nico Hines on the bench, Nathan Cleary, you've got the... You've got the uh, the Penrith connection, and then you go to the forwards. Um, what do you think of the starting lineup? And do you think the starting lineup, with uh, you know, with the changes he's made there to get some real grunt, um, you know, Pengai Junior, Hudson Young, uh, is that how we will see them line up at kickoff time next Wednesday? Do you think? Well, it's been really really interesting to see what they've now released. I mean, initially they put out. 19 plays with Campbell Graham as number 18. Mm. Uh, he was then released on Monday. He goes back and plays NRL, which we'll touch on in a moment. Uh, then they, they released the team in jumper order, which then had Pangai Jr. and Hudson Young starting. Now, the train of thought is that because they're two rookies playing their first origin game, Fittler wants them both to start, uh, get out there, get into it right from the opening minutes and not be sitting on the sideline and getting too nervous. Uh, I think that sounds great in principle, but uh, I personally would not have picked Pengai Jr. I think his best football was over two and a half years ago. He, you know, he, he had a period of three or four weeks where he was outstanding for the Broncos, but that form has not been apparent since. Uh, he's been club hopping um, now at the, the Bulldogs. He's only played six games. What are the and, stats on him, Jared? I know we were talking about this off air the other day. They're not. They're not, they're not great, are they? No, they're not. Yeah, he's played six games, and in those six games, he's missed 15 tackles, he's made seven errors, and conceded multiple penalties through ill-discipline. You know, that's not the sort of guy I want starting or playing in origin. And um, I know that the referees will put the whistle in their back pocket and not be blowing up a lot. But if you're making errors with the football, the referee doesn't have to interfere. If, if you're also then overstepping the line, as he is prone to doing, um, that's not what you want through the middle, especially with a starting forward. Uh, I like Hudson Young. His form's been very good, but he also is a firebrand. So you've got two blokes who can run the risk of sailing a little bit too close to the wind. Um, you know, maybe, you know, there's all this talk that uh, Queensland, which they did, bashed up New South Wales in Game 3 last year. Uh, sure, you've got to meet muscle with muscle, and sure, they've got to make some changes. I just, I would have gone with Totola from South instead of uh, Pangai Junior. Um, I think the pluses for New South Wales is that certainly they're back five, and if, if Tom is fit and is right to play Origin and is prepared to step out like he did last Sunday... I think having Latrell and Tom as two very tall um, strike players in your centres is a big advantage. And let's not forget that Reese Walsh is uh, knee-high to a grasshopper. So, you know, high ball uh, with Walsh having to play against that. And also Cleary's kicking game. Now, you know, the Panthers touched up the Broncos a couple of weeks ago and Cleary's kicking game against Walsh. Uh, was very instrumental in part of that and the field position. I think the other key one is with Latrell on the left, you've got Hammer having to mark up on him. So defensively, there's a big ask for him. What I do like about Queensland is I, I just like the balance and I like their bench. So uh, every just, one of their... just before we get to Queensland, Jared, 
I mean, firstly, can you see Hammer handling Latrell? Like, if Latrell gets clean ball, defensively, is Hammer up to it? Like, we know Queenslanders lift at origin time, but defensively, I don't know. There's got to be some question marks there, haven't there? Hasn't there? Oh, there certainly has to be some question marks. I mean, I've got a lot of trust in Billy Slater. I think the guy is a lead yeah, coach. Yep. And yeah. I, th- I think what he did with Origin last year was absolutely outstanding. So there's a lot of thought and process into who he's picked and why he's picked Walsh at fullback and why he's picked uh, Hammer uh, there. You know, I think Gagai's done a very good job um, defending that side over recent years on the right. Uh, so clearly, that's a big decision, but there's a lot of thought gone into that. But it, it's still got to remain a major question mark. And if Luttrell wants to play and play to his absolute best, you know, he, he's incredibly difficult to hold. So that's key. I mean, I think the other question mark for mine around New South Wales is uh, Appy playing 80 minutes. I don't expect so at this level. And then who fills in? Is it Hines or is the talk that uh, Luai goes to nine and Hines goes to six? I just think you start breaking up combinations that don't work. And what you're trying to do is you're trying to second guess that you can make this work at the elite level. I mean, it's tough enough at club level, let alone at the elite level. So I've got question marks about that. I mean, I I love Appy Corusau. I love his form over recent seasons. I think in recent weeks he's been back to his best. I love the fact that he's got that combination with the other Panthers players. That makes a lot of sense to me. I just don't know it makes a lot of sense with who you've got coming off the bench and how you're going to manage that rotation. Whereas the formula for Queensland works. You know, Hunt starts. You've got Harry Grant, who I think's you know, the best uh, number nine in the game today. And then coming off the bench once a bit of heat's out of it, you've got Reuben Cotter, who's just made for origin. He's been an absolute standout. You've got Big Tino coming off the bench. I mean... Uh, I like the balance, Queensland. Mm, I, I must say with the Queensland side, I was very surprised. Uh, and we know uh, Billy is happy to roll the dice, but I was really surprised that Gago got, uh, was, was dropped. You know, 22 origins. He's, and I know his form's been a little bit touch and go, and last week he was showing up defensively a little bit uh, against the Sharks. But, gee, he's been good for Queensland, Gago. He really has been uh, one of their better performers. Quite often, as always, you know, pretty much trotted out, finished the game as, you know, probably one of the top two, three better f- performers for Queensland in each game of his 22. I was surprised by that, but the makeup of the side, gee, it's strong, and it's a very, very strong bench. Really strong bench. And tactically, there's going to be so many different angles in this game. You know, we touched on the tall timber of, you know, uh, Latrell or, or, or uh, Turbo. Um, you know, kicks to the, either of those edges and both of them are clearly very good in the air and and you'd have to expect they're going to have a height advantage over, um, you know, Walsh and uh, potentially those two wingers. Um, you know, the, the Queensland left edge of Munster and uh, an informed David Fafita, you know, that's that's got a lot of pluses about it. Uh, you know, Cobo on the right wing, I'm sure he's going to see some nice ball uh, you know, Hammer, you know, right wing, a little bit of open space. He's got Cobo out uh, right centre uh, and Cobo outside him on the right wing. You know, that's certainly got appeal to it. Um, you know, really interesting matchup. Listen, game one traditionally is a very low-scoring arm wrestle style of game. Uh, and if that's the case and we end up seeing most of the game through the middle third of the football field, which is what I expect, uh, I think that also is an advantage to Queensland. 
the fact that we're on a neutral ground in Adelaide also takes away uh, any key advantage either side. The other thing I think a lot of people uh, seem to forget, you know, Freddie Fittler has had four seasons as New South Wales coach. He's lost game one three of those four years. And there's been a lot of criticism about the team that he's taken into game one and the fact that he's then not picked and, st- and stuck and that he's then made changes into game two and game three. And, you know, um, Cody Walker's one obvious one. I mean, Jack White and another obvious one that have been picked and then left out uh, and lots of question marks Regan, around that. So Regan Campbell-Gillard, Keone Staggs. Campbell-Gillard. So, you know, I don't know that his record stands, well, clearly it doesn't stand up about getting the team right into game one. I think there's a bit of risk about, around that as well. Uh, interesting this morning reports that only 41,000 of the 53,000 seat capacity have been sold. Uh, that would be disappointing. Um, I'd expect that that ground is a little bit quick, uh, but it's an AFL ground, so uh, and you've got a cricket pitch in the middle. Now, all of those little intricacies come into play in tactically how you play this game and a little bit of luck. How does the, uh, how's the weather forecast look? Is it going to be clear in Adelaide or we got rain or uh, so far I think it's okay yeah so far I think it's okay um, but yeah interesting come game time if you're going to have a early interest in this game I'm stunned at the market I mean you, oh, the, oh, the, I can't the, believe it the Queensland uh, you know Queensland have been moving around a little bit but you know on top sport um, sports bet wherever you go and have a bet but you know dollar sixty five dollar seventy ish and sort of two twenty, two twenty-five Queensland. The other day, I think Queensland got, got into two fifteen. I'm I'm stunned by that two twenty-five. I, I I can't believe it. I mean, for thirty-five years, <laughs> New South Wales go up as a favourite to start the series every year. Um, it, it just amazes me. And I would have thought that the right price was about a dollar ninety each. Take your pick on a neutral ground. Uh, New South Wales were a dollar seventy on Monday morning, and then after teams were announced, went to dollar sixty-five. I mean, what out. out of the team announcements would you would you then suggest that New South Wales have ended up a stronger lineup? Um, yeah, the line was three and a half. It's now two and a half. I mean, I think the best angle through the game is to back the two and a half. I always think that the points are and the underdog in Game 1 is always the advantage, whether it's New South Wales or whether it's Queensland, because Game 1 is always so tight. Yeah, well, maybe uh, maybe New South Wales went from 170 to 165 because Freddie got on. Um, well, uh, yeah, I don't know. Well, what's your, let, let's, uh, let's put, our, uh, put our, our, our tips on the line, Jared. What are you thinking? Oh, I'm backing Queensland. I just think, uh, I think, I think the price is too wrong. Um, you know, and I, I think it's a, a really even game. I think that there are advantages on both sides. Uh, I think that New South Wales back five is an advantage if they can get enough football. I think Queensland have got um, a nice balance and experience through the middle and their middle eight to nine players. Uh, I think it's very even. So I've got to be with uh, Queensland at the price and I've got to be with Queensland at the start and I think the winner of game one sits in the box seat to win the series because game two goes to Queensland game three comes back to New South Wales so you know should Queensland win game one and then have game two in Queensland where they're incredibly hard to beat at Suncorp you know, I, I personally am, am back in Queensland. I'm, I'm having a small interest on Queensland to win the series because I, I think if they can win game one they're in the box seat 
Um, and I think the plus two and a half is the right way to play the game. Yeah, for th- th- this one for me is it's a bit, it's a bit like the Dragons every every game. Like you want to bet against them because you don't think they're going to win, but you really want them to win. So it's sort of like you go, oh, you sit on the lounge, you go and put a hundred on Queensland at two twenty five because you think it's good odds, and they probably will win the game. But you really want New South Wales to win, so you're going to lose money, but you want New South Wales to win. Woody will be really upset in me saying this, but I'm with you, Jared. I, I really want, obviously, want New South Wales to win. And I'd love to lose my money, but I think Queensland, um, first up in Adelaide for me, at 2.25 is, is where I'll be. Well, and just on the forecast, Steve, just looking now, there's forecast rain today, Thursday, in Adelaide of 5 to 10 mils. And between Thursday and Monday, there's forecasts of between 5 to 10 mils each day. So we've got rain Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. Light rain. And it'll be a ground that drains incredibly well. But what that's going to do is leave a bit of moisture there. It'll be damp um, in winter in Adelaide, where the, you know the, the top each day is is eighteen, not twenty eight. So um, it'll be a little bit soft underfoot. Uh, and I think again that probably suits Queensland just wanting to play the game in the middle of the field. Okay, well, if we, uh, we, we, we will do another wrap on uh, any of the news or changes or what's going on in Origin on Monday in our recap from the weekend. Uh, but we move into the NRL this weekend. When you get these buy rounds, it's really, really hard to tip. Um, mo- you know, multiple changes across the board. You've got the Roosters, Titans, Bulldogs, Panthers, Sharks, Tigers and the Storm that get a rest this weekend. Um, but we still have some good matchups. And uh, in, in the ball and all tipping comp, this week, these, these bye weekends could be really important for the boys at the top. Um, tonight, uh, we've got the Dolphins at home, uh, $1.50, the, the Red V, the Dragons, $2.60. The winning Dragons? Yeah, well, they're one, they're one out of one. I must say, Jared, if we, if we just touch on uh, a little bit of the scuttlebutt around uh, the NRL, but, uh, you know, just in the last week or two, nothing's been confirmed, but... Um, it would appear that maybe the Dragons have been to sort of, you know, maybe they're bottoming out as far as all the bad news and maybe we've got some good news on the horizon. I mean, everything I'm hearing, and I think you are as well, is that Riles will be the coach. Uh, Not sure what has uh, happened or sort of transpired in the last couple of weeks at the Roosters, but it would appear that he's done and dusted there. Um, as in now, he won't return after the bye weekend. Uh, that probably plays into the Dragons' favour a lot, I think, because then, you know, he's he's effectively out of a job um, and that he can really uh, step it up probably in some sort of capacity once uh, he works out the team that he wants to bring and hopefully the board sign off on it. That seems to be a bit of the sticking point at the moment, as in um, previous coaches haven't had that full sign-off. If you remember back to... McGregor's uh, last year or so, he wasn't even, uh, you know, getting the sign-off on the team selected. So hopefully Riles gets what he wants. So I think he's, I think from um, all the due diligence uh, that you've done, Jared, and I've done, uh, is that he's right here right now, he's the right person for the job? Well, I think if we go back four, four weeks ago and just sort of um, set the background, Steve, as we did discuss back then, uh, it was neck and neck between Hornby and Riles. One side of the board wanted Hornby, one side of the board wanted Riles. 
over the last couple of weeks that's sort of amped up. Um, the side that wanted Riles, I think, finally got agreement from the other side. My understanding is that that deal was done last weekend. It's all signed off. There's still a few uh, pieces of fine print to be sorted until it's uh, announced, but that will probably happen in the next couple of days. I think one of the main key factors is him just sorting out who he wants uh, in all the different staff roles. Um, I do agree with you. I think it's a huge advantage if he now leaves the Roosters and then can work over the coming months uh, in the background on what he wants to do with the makeup and structure of the club, of his coaching staff, GM of football, all of those sorts of things. But importantly, the list, but also importantly, getting around the existing players. And I think the influence that that then has is that the existing players are going to understand that they're playing for a contract, they're playing for their future, and they're playing for this guy who is now coming to the games each week and watching them play. And I think that that should lift performance. I thought we they looked a little freer last week, a little bit more relaxed in what they were trying to do. I thought most notably they picked the right list. Jared, I think, right just, people. I think just on the, uh, like, the, you know, the, if Riles is the man and he is coming into the position, which we think he is, it's quite unusual that he's going to come in with, a, with the way the list is. My understanding, and I think uh, you um, ticked that this was correct in our discussions during the week, is... I'm pretty sure there's only six out of the top 30 that are contracted past the end of this year. Um, That's correct. And it's pretty easy to name, you know, Ben Hunt, Lomax, Sloan, uh, uh, Sullivan, uh, the hooker, Little, there's five before we even start. And I think uh, Bird, uh, sorry, Blake Laurie. So he really, you know, you get a lot of this sort of rhetoric around coaches coming in and, you know, they've got to have 12 months to turn the roster around and clean it up and get the players they want and all that sort of stuff, it would appear that that won't be the case for Riles, which is obviously a real attraction um, for a new coach. And um, and I think you're 100% correct. There's a lot of those fringe guys who, you know, have played some good football and, um, you know, but has probably been, well, it's obviously been inconsistent because we're on the bottom of the table, um, that will be playing for contracts. Yeah, that's exactly right. And I can also suggest that there are two clubs out there that have had a decent crack this week at trying to get Ben Hunt. Uh, yes, Hunt's under contract. A big question mark for Rolls and St George is if they were the releasing that frees up a lot of coin, mm. um, do they then go with uh, Sullivan playing at seven and happy to let Hunt go? Yes, he's been a very good servant to them over recent years and been their best player, but he is on the best part of you know eight nine hundred thousand for the next couple of years. Um, that money could well be uh, better spent elsewhere. It might be a train of thought. The other thing which I've been touching on for months, they've got a lot of confidence around the, the next generation of kids that they've got coming through and that there are five or six that are ready to come into first grade over the next 12 months. Uh, so I'm sure that that's part of their, their investment and their planning. So, yes, you're right. There's you know only six or seven that might be under contract for next season. Question mark whether Ben Hunt stays. Uh, and or is released, and then the question mark of guys playing for uh, contracts, and I love that. I, I mean, it creates competition, motivation, performance, and Rolls gets to sort out who he wants on the bus for next year. So, how do you see this game playing out tonight? You're at Dolphins at home, um, and when we say at home, not Suncorp, they're at Redcliffe. Uh, Cody Nicarima well, at fullback, think... Mister Fixit. Um, they're still. I mean, they. they you know, obviously, Felice has been suspended. Uh, Milford in at 5'8". Um, 
forward pack pretty much unchanged. Well, I thought with the changes of the two sides, uh, the Dragons were disadvantaged. Ben Hunt's, Hunt's clearly a big out. They lose Blake, Laurie and Sewer, who I think have been two of their best forwards with injury. They're, they're three mm. very key outs. Uh, for the, you know, for the Dolphins, the fact that they lose Kafusi, uh, Hammer and Gilbert, um, they do have, I think, a little bit more depth. Playing at Redcliffe, I think, is an advantage. Listen, they're in the game and they came back late against the Storm last week, but the Storm were always in control. Uh, I think the Dolphins will be better for that. I think they'll be better for being at Redcliffe. The big question mark, again, against the Dragons, I've said it so many times, is they've lost 17 in the last 18 when they go interstate. Oh, so they've got to get over that boogie as you well. You had to raise that again. Well, it, <laughs> I mean, if you keep What do they do? Do, do, they, they, do they drive? Do they take a bus? Should they just stop flying? Like, What do you do to rectify that? Well, you know the, the three occasions when Anthony Griffin was coached that they flew in on the same day to an in-state game, they won. Oh, and didn't stay the so night. A, yeah, right. They didn't stay the night before. So I think there's a message there. Um, you know, I don't know what their travel plans are. Um, I haven't asked that question. So it'll be interesting to watch that this week. But I'm with the Dolphins. Listen, I think the five and a half is probably about right. I had a four and a half between them. I don't know that there's a lot. I think the Dragons will take a bit of confidence out of last week. You know, they're sitting on the bottom of the table. They just need to play with a little bit of freshness and free spirit and play some football. They scored 24 points last week. It's, it's you know, very rare this year that they've scored 24 or above. And when they have, they've, they've either won or got beat by points. So that's the key. They need attack. They need to play with a bit of freedom. They need 24, 26, 28 points. That puts them in the in the conversation for winning the game. Okay, next game. What are we moving on to? Well, let, let, let's go to the Eels-Cowboys. Now, uh, really interesting matchup here because both teams have got some, some key outs, both with rep football and with injury. The game's at Parramatta Stadium, which I think is a big advantage for the Eels. Their best football and their record there is very, very good. Come off an unexpected but a very dominant win last week against the Rabbits. Let's not forget, they were minus eight and a half. So they were 10-point underdogs against... Mm. The, uh, the Rabbits. At one stage early in the second half, the Rabbits led that game 16-14. The Eels came back from 14 to the, they go to 36 and I th- thought went away with a resounding win. I think that's their best win this season. Yes, they're without Campbell Gillard, they're without Lane, um, you know, they're uh, without Matheson with injury um, and then they lose Junior Paulo with rep football. But the key is that they've got the seven, the six, the one, the nine, all intact. I think picking up Offen Hingawe from the Tigers helps them, and he plays straight away. But having that spine um, together and not disrupted and playing at home, I think is a big advantage. Uh, listen, I've got to say, Dylan Brown was absolutely outstanding last week. I love the way he plays off his left foot. He's just... Um, that was that was his best ever career game for mine last um, last Friday night. In against the Cowboys, gee, they're absolutely hapless. The last two visits to Sydney, um, they've leaked 110 points. Who would have thought against a team sitting on the base of the table, they'd let through 66 points last week? That's just disgraceful form. I don't know if Todd Payton lasts this at the end of the season if he can't turn this around. Oh, they really? Then have, you're, going yeah, the early, yeah, you're going the early crow. I'm going all in that, you know, you just don't... Listen, if you look at the record of, of coaches that consistently let through 66 points, they don't last very long. Um, yeah, oh, he's then got... Didn't, didn't he sign a, sign a decent extension last year? 
yeah, well, we know that that's worth a ton of tissue paper, don't we? Um, yeah, you know, they've got Jeez. four guys going, Jared, going this is, into this origin. is the Buzz Rothfield of, of the Ball and All podcast. You're coming out oh, with please, I didn't expect that. Please, <laughs> please don't link. Surely, Peyton, surely Peyton's got time on his time on his hands to rectify this. I mean, they've got a lot to rectify. I, I also think that um, I I think it's been totally underestimated the loss of Tom Gilbert. Like he is he is such a workman like, uh, very very good defensive player in the middle. Um, obviously, they haven't had Luciano Leilua up until last week. So there's your two. Well, back. that helped a lot, didn't it? Yeah, but I mean, as in they haven't had him from the start of the year. Um, you know, yeah, well, I don't think he's worth having. So, I, I mean, I don't rate him. <laughs> right, That's what okay. I'm saying. I mean, he, play, he played last weekend and did zero for him. And I, well, I they've had a lot of changes in the back row. That, you know, that's probably what... You know, I mean, when you have a look now, they've got Jake Granville playing at 13 this weekend. Like, oh. Well, and, yeah, and, and, listen, they're, they're still missing Nanai with suspension. Nanai's then a they've got one, four, yeah. yeah, and then they've got four key guys playing Origin. You know, listen, Cotter... And Holmes are enormous. Holmes kicks goals from everywhere and absolutely anchors that left edge. Reuben Cotter, if you go back through their form last season when they were playing so well, the weeks that they lost through the origin period and a few weeks thereafter were the weeks when Cotter was missing. He mm. is the glue to their middle. Yes, they get Carmelomo back, but you know I don't think Jason's form was anything to write home about that early in the season. So they've still got six outs. And absolutely leaking points at will. Their record in the state, they've lost their last four. And their record in Sydney is horrible. I mean, the line's 14 and a half. It actually was 16 and a half and it's come down to 14 and a half. I mean, I don't know how. I think Parramatta win and I think they cover the line because I just think they can put points through this team um, and in the back 40 minutes kick away. So I'm certainly with the Eels to be winning and I think they cover the line. Okay, well, let's move into Sunday's game because I think this one is it could be very telling uh, for the Knights. Hopefully, the Knights are, the Knights are like odds-on favourites at the moment. Dollar thirty-five, Seagulls three twenty-five. Um, obviously, quite a few changes with the fact of um, Kalen not being picked, so he'll uh, he's available for Newcastle. Uh, they've made uh, Adam O'Brien has made the choice to move him back to fullback, uh, which is a bit of a surprise for me. Tyson Gamble in at six. And probably one of their better players for the whole year, Lockie Miller, um, goes to the bench. Um, Manly, they don't have uh, they don't have T. Well, actually, they don't have any of the Travoy Vicks. Uh, Ben's out, yeah, Jake's out, Tom's out. Uh, Cherry Evans is obviously on uh, state of origin duty. Yeah, gee, how do you pick a winner here? Well, well, let's address the elephant in the room. Did Adam O'Brien move Ponga back to fullback, or did Ponga? Well, I, I can tell you, it's the latter. Um, I think uh, Kalen's realised that if he wants to play Origin football again after his conversation with Billy Slater this week, he needs to be a number one and he needs to be in cracking number one form. So he's back at fullback this week. Um, uh, listen, they've been jumping out of trees. Can, can, I, can, I just, can I just say something on that? I, I haven't actually had this conversation with Beric, um, but I'm surprised that, like, that you can't play Kalen, um, you know, from the start of the year at fullback defensively, but in attack where he, where he, a bit like we saw last year, where he sort of bobs up like a halfback wherever he wants, or a 5'8", on, on each side, or where he chooses. I, I don't think it was a, a good gamble that he needed to be six, like a, you know, no. like a, a stock standard 5'8", week in, week out. No, 100% right, and I think that was the key mistake. Um, 
I still think I, I'd just be playing at fullback and let and then let him play that roving role, exactly. in particular on the yeah. left edge. That's that, my point. That he, he favours. Um, you know, but there's been two key market moves this week, and this is one of them. They've been jumping out of trees all over the night. So the lines moved from eight and a half to ten and a half. Um, at home, big advantage. That's where their best football's been. They only lose one player, and that's Brazil to rep football. We would have thought a week ago that Gagai and Ponga certainly go with them and maybe one of the Speedy brothers. They'd be feeling a little bit left out at the present moment, having played Orange football in the last couple of years. So the Knights are strong. Back at home, off a loss. I thought they were disappointing last week. There was a lot of up and down football, up and down the football field. It was played like a game of touch football, but they didn't come up with points. They only scored six. Uh, against an Eagles side that's absolutely depleted, as you mentioned, the, you know, the three uh, Trebojevich brothers, uh, Cherry Evans. Cherry Evans has formed through the last four weeks has been outstanding. He's turned the block yeah. back. And, and he's lifted and carried players, not only played well himself, he's been an absolute leader. Uh, they go up there with a bit of a makeshift side. I'd suggest that Arthur probably starts. I think now that they've picked up Jake Arthur, um, I'd, I'd have oh, him at of seven. Johns? Yeah, instead of Cooper Johns. Yeah, this is a game where Schuster needs to stand up and lead. He was very good last week. Uh, well, he's very good in the media too, isn't he? He loves talking about himself and lost <laughs> seven and a half kilos and he's going to be one of the best players in the game. I mean, the guy needs to be told to shut up and ignore his manager and stop all this uh, crap. He's only been back for one week. Uh, he needs to aim up. He needs to lead from the front. I do think the Knights win, G. Ten and a half. I think they probably covered a line, but uh, that's a big start. Yeah, well, they get uh, they get the Seagulls at the right time at home, uh, first weekend of Origin buys. So, uh, yeah, I'm with you. I think, uh, and I and and I really I, I really hope Kalen stays at one and uh, and just commits to playing that position because he's he's definitely you know you throw him up there with Reese Welsh and the great fullbacks we've got running around at the moment, Teddy and Travoyevic and whatever what whoever they're they're so good to watch when they're in full flight. So hopefully well, he, re- he returns to one, stays there and puts in some really good performances. And don't forget, I mean, he was one of the best players in origin last year at fullback. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I, I couldn't agree more. Listen, we, uh, we want the best being at their best in this game because that then gives us quality to watch and enjoy every week. And Kalen's one of those guys. We want to see him at his best for Newcastle. We want to see the Knights going well because it means that they pack that home stadium and They've got a very strong following, and certainly one is his position. I've been saying since pre-season I would have been playing him at one. The experiment hasn't worked. We're 13 weeks into the season. They're finally now moving back. Uh, that's key, and uh, I hope he aims up, and I hope he, he uh, has a blinder this weekend and puts himself back in contention for the weeks to come with Origin. And Just quickly on the, on, on the other game where the big market move has been, Steve, it's the Rabbits against the Raiders in Sydney this weekend. Now, the market at lunchtime on Tuesday had the rabbits at plus one and a half start. I don't know how. I always had it at a minus. Well, it's now minus two and a half. So there's been a four-point flip on the line. Uh, and it was known it when the line was plus one and a half that uh, these team changes were going to be what they are. And that is that there are three guys playing for the rabbits this mm. week who were in contention for New South Wales, being Cook, Graham and Totola and that the Raiders were going to lose Hudson Young most likely to, well, he was already named, and they lost um, uh, Elliot Whitehead, who's their captain. Well, that's their two best back rowers and instrumental forwards. Leaves them a little short uh, in those roles, uh, and it leaves the Rabbits much stronger than we would have expected into this week. So 
Uh, I was certainly keen about the Rabbits winning here. Um, the line now minus two and a half. I thought the best way to play a difficult week was to take the Eels to win straight out into the Rabbits to win, which is about $2. So uh, I think that's uh, the best bet of the weekend. Yeah, okay, love it. Right, Jared, well, we'll sign off with the great Tina Turner. Um, turn the NRL on its head and really put us on the map, I think. Um, thank you, Tina. Well, please do. It'll be uh, blasting the walls here all day at my place. Okay, mate. We'll catch you on Monday. Yeah, we only set fire through the microphones. <laughs>